Hey y'all, and welcome back to the Emix Podcast. On this podcast, we talk to the latest producers, artists, and industry professionals. On this episode, we talk to Reliquary from Atlanta, Georgia. We go deep in the topics of following your goals, working your way into the DJ scene, and finding a mentor that can bring your music to the next level. Are you looking to get your song mixed and mastered for an extremely affordable price? Then Emix has your back. For only $39.99 a month, you can get your song professionally mixed and mastered to industry standards. If you want more info on our plans and pricing, head over to emix.com to learn more. If you like what you hear on this episode, remember to subscribe for more exclusive content. And like always, we hope you enjoy the show. You are now listening to the Emixed Podcast. What's up, y'all? I'm Zach, and we got Reliquary in the house today. What is up, dude? Yo, man, how's it going? Thanks for having me, dude. Really yeah, excited man. to be here. Hell yeah, dude. It's been a long time uh, yeah. since we've talked, so it'll be great to catch up with you. You have some great releases that you've been putting out, Thank so you. I'm super excited to dive into that as well. Um, but just to start us off, just let everyone know who you are, how you got into music, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, sure, man. Uh, whew, I don't know if we have enough time to talk about how I got to where I am today. It's been a long, many years long journey. But uh, my name is Chris Orozco, uh, DJ under the alias Reliquary, DJ and uh, produce under the name Reliquary. Um, been making music probably now eight years, I would say, pretty close wow. to there. Yeah, give or take. Um, started DJing maybe a year or so after that. Uh, how I got started... Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up, I think a lot of us kind of got started this way. Like I grew up in a more like suburban town. Not many people were listening to dance music. It's all like rock or country or hip hop. Um, but I always really liked like synthy stuff, like in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like Nine Inch Nails or Depeche Mode, just like some, I didn't, wasn't really into those bands necessarily, but they'd have these sounds that were really captivating to me. Um, and then I started getting more and more into just kind of like, I had actually what it was, was a boss of mine kind of first really got me educated on like dance music genres. Um, his name was Micah back when I worked at a pretzel shop, but uh, <laughs> nice. he's like, yeah, man, here's like pendulum for drum and bass. Yes. Here's, uh, here's Paul Van Dyke for some trance. Like he just gave me these like burn CDs back when we were trading burn CDs of all these like epic albums from like Paul Lokenfold, um, Tiesto and like, uh, yeah, he really kind of, Got That's across the board. The, you got drum and bass, trance. You got yeah, some yeah. like big room house. And yeah, he gave me a lot of like hard house stuff too. Like back in the day, like um, Sander Kleinenberg was one of the CDs I really liked. So like some cool stuff. Um, I guess he wasn't really like hard house, but anyway, like more housey stuff. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm really grateful for that relationship. Um, we still stay in touch on occasion. But uh, yeah, that's kind of that kind of got me started. Then uh, eventually, another good friend of mine. He was like, hey, man, you should start making this music. You're so like passionate about it. You like it. I was like, no way. Like, I've never really been a musician. And this is about where that eight-year mark started. And he's like, no, like, I'll show you how to do it in Fruity Loops. We'll get started. And I just started getting really into it. I'm a big nerd. So like yeah. learning about like envelopes and synthesizers and stuff, like I didn't know anything about it. But I was like, oh, my gosh, it's like a whole new world of like stuff to play around in and learn. So like, It's actually really funny you say that because yeah. like, after I did music for so long, I was like, oh my God, this is actually pretty nerdy. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but and, no, man, it, it's, it's definitely fun to dive deep into like the intricacies of sound design and, and all the things you can do with effects and all that. Yeah, um, it's an endless world, man. 
It really is. And so you said you started out with Fruity Loops, but you're in Ableton now? Yeah, yeah. I'm using Ableton mostly now. Um, I mean, I like Fruity Loops a lot, but there's a couple key features that Ableton is just better at. I think it's a little bit better organized. Mm. Um, a little bit easier to just kind of like stack things and bust things. There's one less element that's uh, was annoying for me in Fruity Loops for like routing. Um, mm. Automation was really frustrating in, in Fruity Loops for me. I mean, it wasn't that frustrating, but it's just slower. It took more like kind of manual handholding than I feel like Ableton does. So mm. it took a while to get used to it. I probably spent like six months not really focused on music and just trying to get used to a new job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, how long really- were you in Fruity Loops for before you made the switch? Uh, probably like three years, maybe even four. Long time. Oh, yeah, wow. And even during that time, I was uh, kind of in between both because I had like projects that I was working on in Fruity Loops. And I still know it pretty well. Not as fast as I used to be, but like I'm familiar with it. Um, and it's gotten better since then, but I think so as Ableton. So I don't know. It doesn't really matter. The nice thing about Free Loops is it's cheap. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. what, like 200 bucks? Yeah, I think you can get the basic one for 100. And the nicer one comes with some synths and effects. But honestly, the synths, if you're doing most, a lot of us just use third party stuff anyway. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, like I don't think I use Ableton's native synths at all, personally. Maybe some people do, but. Uh, um, not to say that they're not good. It's just not what I'm used to. Yeah. So yeah. what type of uh, third-party plugins do you like using? Uh, for me, I'm a huge fan of, let's see, I use Spire quite a bit lately. It's just a good kind of like starting point for sounds. There's some really good trance banks for it. Um, Serum I like a lot, but I don't have as many banks for, so I don't use it as much. I'm actually a pretty big uh, Native Instruments fanboy. So like my DJ setup is Native Instruments. Oh, nice. um, I've got their uh, machine A software and hardware, which is really cool. And now I've got like the big light up LED display, complete keyboard, which is pretty cool to play on. So, oh yeah, um, does that does that make it uh, easier for you to produce, or you use that uh, specifically for um, you know shows and stuff? Yeah, no, it's definitely for production. I want to integrate like the drum machine into my shows, but mm-hmm. with trance in particular, you find that the songs are pretty saturated. So it's not like with house or techno where you can like pretty easily add a drum loop on top or like play synths on top because these mm-hmm. tracks are like full of synths <laughs> yeah, <laughs> already yeah. for the most part. It's kind of like a big characteristic of trance and a lot of what I like about it. But um, yeah, I've done it a couple times, but to say that it ha- added much to the performance would probably be a stretch. You know, it's, it's hard to do effectually without like, having all your own tracks, taking out parts that you just like perform live because that's what you're doing. And yeah. I haven't gotten to that point yet. Hopefully, I don't know if you've seen any of, uh, have you ever seen Giuseppe Ottavani? His like live setup stuff. Dude, no. it's wild, man. Cause he'll do that. He'll like have like an Ableton set going with his tracks and then he'll have, he's got these mixers for him. So you can like pull out the bass and then just start playing the bass arpeggio like on one of his keyboards that's up there or he'll pull out the synth and start playing the big lead that happens. Like it's super cool. Wow. Yeah. Really cool way to like bring like live to to show, but it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of hard work. So you don't see very many DJs doing stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I've I've taken a look in into like DJing on live a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything more about it cuz like I I know you can like make two tracks and you can do like crossfader stuff, but like that's pretty much all I know. Yeah, I I don't know about doing live DJ sets. I've never done that, but um, produce DJ sets or I, I'll do pretty much always in in, in Ableton. I don't 
like for Mind and Ian's radio show, we, we do a radio show called Where's the Sunset mm-hmm. every month. Next episode is actually in <laughs> just a few days. Next one. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. But um, yeah, so for that, we'll do it. We'll produce it in, in Ableton. And we have, it's pretty basic. It's just like an EQ rack for low, mid, high. And then uh, I don't know if you know in Ableton, you can have like automation lanes for each thing. So we'll have like four default automation lanes for every track. And wow. it'll be volume high EQ, mid EQ, low EQ. And then you just kind of like, just like you would on a mixer, adjust the knobs. And, um, you know, you can just do like this. The nice thing is like, once you like got your track list laid out, you don't have to like rehearse it, practice it, record it, and then spice in any like edits where you make mistakes or you're trying to fix something or do something better. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's definitely quicker. Um, but I've never done it for like a live show. I would imagine it's, it's similar, um, without the like automated switches. So you said you use that for where is the sunset? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you have to like adjust BPMs or like what what do you do for that? Yeah, and this is one of the things that Ableton's a lot better at, in my opinion, than FL Studio. The setting like a beat grid for the tracks, mm-hmm. um, and then it kind of automatically warps it to whatever your beat grid is in Ableton. Um, so it's a little bit tricky learning how to do it because it's not very intuitive. But once yeah. you understand it, it's it's pretty straightforward and simple. Um, but yeah, essentially you can, you set a beat grid for every track, kind of like you would in like Rekordbox or Tractor or any like main DJ software. Um, and then you can automate the BPM of your set as you go. So usually we'll, you know, unless we're moving really far, we'll just kind of like lay the set out and then often decide afterwards, like where do we want to pull the BPM up or bring it down? Mm-hmm. Unless it's like, huge a huge like kind of upward push or something like that then we'll start doing it periodically but um but yeah it's super simple and you can just kind of like once you have it lined up and be gridded and all the kicks matched you can do whatever with the bpm automation so it's pretty nice it's pretty nice yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. so um real quick question Mm -hmm. i just kind of taking a couple steps back but yeah um you mentioned that your buddy showed you like a bunch of different genres um what took you into the trance world and what made you kind of decide that's what you wanted to do? That's a, that's a good question. I mean, I think like a lot of people, when I first started getting into it, I thought a lot of like progressive house and like melodic house was also trance. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just like stuck with the trance label as essentially being like what I like most, which is true to a degree. But honestly, when it comes to like, proper trance or like real uplifting trance or what a lot of people think of as like true trance trance music it's not really yeah. my favorite style of music mm. um it's cool it's good but uh, it's not really like the kind of stuff i like to make so i make what most people would probably consider progressive trance it's kind of like a hybrid between like houseier styles and like real trance but the, the what really i gravitate gravitate to are these like really pretty melodies um, these kind of like emotional breakdowns they're they're longer than like a typical house breakdown, and that's the kind of stuff that really kind of pulls me in, you know, or like a really like emotional or like pretty vocal um, like yeah, that's I think those are the kind of main elements that really make trance to me, and yeah, it's like that differentiate trance from house, like house to me is more like percussion oriented, and that's not really like what I'm after or like looking for so. 
yeah, it's really all about those like really like cool big synths, like all the like emotion and energy behind it. Like I love like rolling bass lines to just have this kind of like drive and energy. And I feel like trance really epitomizes the energy that I want from dance music. It's not the best genre necessarily, but it's the best for me. And I think of all the genres I hear, it gets me the most excited, especially when I hear it in like a nightclub setting or a festival setting. It's just like, yeah. 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 <laughs> just keeps you going, man. Yeah, exactly. It gets me amped. So when you're producing um, progressive trance or just uh, trance type music, do you uh, start out with the synths or since you said it was more like synth and like baseline mm-hmm. based? Yeah. What do you start out with? And Yeah, you- that's a... Uh, it's I, I usually I'll start with the bass groove. Um, I I kind of want to start moving away from that or trying uh, trying something else with it because I find that then later I'll struggle with the real like meat of the track. Well, I wouldn't even say meat like the real like the real like theme of the tracks. Like okay, mm. I've got this groove, I got this idea. Like what is the theme? I think it would help to start with the theme, but it's also really difficult to get. A really good groove so for me i kind of want to just get that done right away so mm. i'll start with like kick sub and like mid basses just kind of like what is the like real meat and potatoes of this track like yeah all right what is the drive like what is the energy like and then i'll kind of start building like groove and atmosphere around that with like other percussions or maybe some like one shot synths or stuff like that um I'm like, okay, cool. So like now I've got like a vibe and then I'll kind of use that to guide where I want to go from there. It's like, okay, what does this feel like? Like, what does this remind me of? Um, I don't typically start a track with like a feeling in mind, mm. but once I get to that point, I'm like, okay, yes, like uh, this has like a, a longing feeling. Like it kind of reminds me of this, you know, kind of tough situation I was in where I, I felt that. Um, and then I'll like usually pick a memory in particular and just kind of like elaborate on that and try and really like fill in the rest of the space with those ideas, um, which can be hard. And a lot of times doesn't work out <laughs> the yeah. way you expect it to. <laughs> but well, that's, that's yeah. really interesting. So you like, you start with just kind of like the basics in a way, just kind of yeah. get that energy going. And mm. then from that, it will remind you of certain memories from your life. Yeah. And then you'll kind of expand on that. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much how I'll do. And like, you know, a lot of it is experimenting and, and you, it's, you, you, there's always this kind of like moment where you're like, okay, like this is an idea that I can take somewhere. And mm-hmm. when you're starting, it's hard to identify that moment, you know, it's like, okay, like this works. I'm just going to keep throwing stuff on there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but getting more selective about like what you're doing and when you do it, I think makes, makes a big difference. And, you know, I'm no expert by any means, but I think I've gotten better at like picking the ideas that I think I can really elaborate on or that I think really are relatable, um, which honestly isn't the most important thing, but like it helps, right? If someone can understand what you're trying to convey. So, And that's a beautiful, uh, beautiful thing about music is that everyone will have a different take on it. You know, it's art, it's subjective. So someone could feel one way about it that, you know, is spot on with how you were feeling or someone could be like, oh, this reminds me of this moment. Yeah, exactly. People make it their own, which is really, yeah, like you said, it's beautiful. You know, they take it and they make their own special memories or attach it to their own situation or circumstances. And uh, I don't know, it feels good to be a part of that. I think that's a big part of like 
how I got into it. Right. It's like, yeah, all this music got so sentimental to me and it's like, I, I kind of wanted to be a part of being able to share that kind of feelings with people, you know, oh, even yeah, if man. it's not necessarily the feeling I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no. I mean, music's a journey, dude. And, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're making it, like you think you're going to start out with one thing and it could be something totally different. And, yeah. and that's a beautiful thing about it is it each, each session that you work on um, is a journey in itself. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any times where you're like working on music and you're just like, I'm just not getting anywhere. And like, what, when is a good oh, time yeah. for you like to be like, okay, scrap this idea or push through? I wouldn't say I very often just scrap an idea. Um, it does happen. And there's been a few that I push through and I'm like, okay, this isn't going anywhere. That hasn't happened. Well, I don't know. I guess I do have a few just kind of like on the back burner that I want to come back to. And I think for me, that's kind of the best thing to do. It's like, all right, I'm stuck. I think I've got some good ideas. Let me just move on. Like that's kind of the best way to like push through. Um, and sometimes I'll just start something completely new, you know? Mm. Um, but I generally don't start things without the idea of like trying to get it done. You know, um, I may at some point come back and decide that these ideas just don't work together. Um, but usually what happens is I'll come back and I'll say, okay, is this thing that doesn't work or these two things don't work together. I've got to pick one or change them so that they do work together. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of the best thing I've learned is to like step away at first, when I started, I would just like single-mindedly, like doggedly work this track into the ground, you know, and I would make good progress, like getting tracks done relative to a lot of my peers that were starting out. Um, but the quality was lower because I wasn't um, able to see that like kind of more objective view. And when I would get mm-hmm. feedback from people, I couldn't see it because all I could see is that same loop I've heard tens of thousands of times and never taken a break from, which sounds right. You know, you're you trick your yeah, yeah. You trick your brain into like this is what the song sounds like, and you get attached to these songs that oftentimes aren't that good. And it still happens. Like it happens to all of us, right? I'm sure you're <laughs> very familiar oh, yeah. with that situation. Oh, yeah. I'm like, dude, this thing hits so hard, and yeah. I'm just like, my friends are like, oh yeah, it's good, it's good. It's, uh, <laughs> I wish it was better, but like, yeah, cool idea, you know. And, uh, but yeah, and so I think that's kind of what I've been doing more of lately. But I still only have like a handful of projects. And I think I see a lot of people struggle with like just starting new ideas over and over again. And I, I hate that. Like I hate leaving all these like half done ideas out there. So for me, if I haven't looked at it in like a year and, or if I have and like haven't really gotten inspired by it, then it just kind of goes to the graveyard, you know, like yeah, I just don't really come back to it. But a lot of times I'll come back and like, okay, I know where I want to go, at least for now, make some progress in the next like several weeks and then if I need to sit on it again and like, it's, it's an iterative process, man. I didn't think it would be like this when I was starting where you're just like, you know, visit it, go away, visit it, go away. Yeah. Was, you just kind of like watch these guys in tutorials, just throw a track together and like, wow, that's done. Yeah. Like, I don't know how they did that in the 30 minutes I was just watching, but it doesn't work like that for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Um, I, I was watching like the dead mouse masterclass actually. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of talking about how, um, he would like, you know, make an idea or something. And then it wasn't like working for the track, but instead of just ditching it completely, he would actually like, let's say he had like uh, a couple of chord progressions or whatever. Um, he would actually, and you can do this in Ableton, which is great. 
you can take the MIDI and then you can just save it for later. So you can yeah, just drag that's a good that. idea. And then, you know, down the road, you like, as you're, you know, building your production skills and over years and years, you start to build a catalog of things that you've created. So maybe it may not, you know, work at the time, but you can always come back to it later and be like, oh, this will be tight in this way now. And I see it in a new light. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's a good tip. I got to do more of that. Like just kind of like organizing ideas that I think are like mine yeah. you know, or that fit like kind of my vibe or style and like really keeping them in one place. But I mean, I've done it before. One of the, not my last track, but probably like, uh, yeah, the second, my previous release forgotten was a melody from one of those kind of graveyard tracks. I was like, Oh yeah. Like I was really struggling with the bill. I was like, I have no idea what to do with this. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I made this really catchy melody that I liked a lot, but I'm not going to go back and finish that track most likely. So let me just bring it into here. And it worked out really, really well. So That's cool. So you figured out That's the build up. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> the hardest part for me, man. Like the groove takes quite a bit of time getting that like first groove started. And then once I get to like the breakdown, I'm just like, you kind of have to like start writing a song all over again. Like, okay, like what is really this song about? You know, you have to really make some decisions that are a lot of times tough. That's kind of where I'm stuck right now on another another (laughs) one. No, man, it's all about, um, you know, finding ways to get over those hurdles and Mm -hmm. definitely seem like you're, you're doing a great job with that. Um, and, and something I noticed, um, I want to talk about Voyager's cry because, um, I just listened to it again a couple minutes ago and, uh, it's a really great track, dude. I love the vocal elements. That's just like one of my things. I love vocal chops and just kind of like, dude, you do a great job with that stuff in your tracks too, man. I love what you've been (laughs) doing with your work. Thank yeah. you so much, dude. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, just trying to pump stuff out like you. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, tell me a little bit about like where you got some of those samples, um, mm-hmm. how you um, kind of put it all together. Yeah, sure. Um, so a lot of times what I'll do is I'll find just like a, a vocal from like a sample pack or something. And if I can find one that's in key or close to key, I'll just pitch bend it. And that's where I get a lot of my kind of like vocal chop ideas. There are plenty of like sample banks out there of like yeah. effectual, like vocal choppy stuff, but it can be really difficult to kind of make that fit your track. Like they have their own kind of notes already or yeah. And they're just rhythm. Not, yeah, they're just not really interesting enough or they're like too wild and crazy with the effects a lot of times. Um, at least, especially in the trance packs, they have like all these crazy like ping pong delays and stuff. And sometimes you just yeah. need something you can like play yeah. um, so that's a good way to that's a good place to go that's usually where i come up with and kind of like you're saying like i'm just a huge fan of vocal chops anyway like that's one yeah. of my favorite parts of dance music in general but i feel like trance uses them a lot too especially progressive trance you hear them a lot so um but yeah i'll just find something cut it up and then uh you know sometimes you may reverse it to give it a more like a different kind of character so the ones in voyager's cry are reversed um and then yeah, you just have to play around with it. You know, it helps a lot. I do a lot of like back to like the nerdy stuff, like analyzing what note is playing. Like I'm not mm. that musical of a person, right? Like I can't yeah. really play an instrument. I know my way around the keyboard after years of practice, like being around one, but it's not like yeah. I can play it. I've been trying to learn a little bit, but I'm not any good. Um, Same but, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like I'll use like a, an analyzer to say, okay, what notes am I hitting? And then compare that to notes that are happening in the track. And then I may like take one little sample, pitch it up or down one or two steps, like just 
take the time and attention. It can be really tedious and seem like it's impossible, but like it's kind of one of those things that I feel like is worth putting the time into because once you look back on it, you're like, yeah, like this is it, it helps make it unique and special rather than just dropping the same, you know, like down pitched house sample that everybody's using for yeah. Sounds like some man going like, oh yeah, or like whatever. <laughs> you know? Hell yeah, dude. So yeah. you said you use an analyzer. Is that like a third party plugin or is that a stock plugin? That no, you can get no. It's time? so the one I use is a free one called um span. Okay. Uh, S-P-A-N is by a company called Voxingo. And it just does a really good job kind of identifying peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see where the fundamental frequency is. And then when you put the little like cursor over it, yeah. it shows you what note that is too at the like kind of like bottom corner. So you're like, oh, okay. So oh, that's, that's super cool. Yeah, so that's usually how I'll figure out like anything that's tonal, even like atmospheres or if you have like a big like, ah, like chorus yeah. thing, it can be really hard to know whether or not it fits your track and a lot of times you're like, I don't know. I used to try and do it by ear, but it turns out my ear is just not that good for that sort of thing, I guess. Um, so then I started, uh, a friend of mine turned me on to using an analyzer plugin like this. Or you can also use like a uh, like a guitar tuner plugin. Mm. Like in, um, I think Ableton. they have a stock one, yeah. Yeah, Ableton has a stock one called Tuner. But um, it's not so good for stuff that's not like very clearly has like a fundamental, you know, which a lot of this stuff won't. It's, it's kind of so like, like background. A rough idea of where it's yeah, at. Yeah, and you know, and it may be like slightly out of key or maybe in between notes and you'll see it like jumping back and forth. So to see yeah. like a spectrum analyzer, we can see where's the peak frequency or the fundamental frequency, then that's usually how I'll, how I'll do it. I think it helps, uh, it helps a lot and it helps you understand your music too because then you can see it in context to all your other sounds, like I'll put something like that on the master and see if there's any of these that are like sticking out too much, right? Like in general, mm-hmm. you don't want like big peaks or anything. So you may think it sounds fine, but to an ear that hasn't been listening to it all the time, if it's like a big peak in your master mix, then it's probably too low. Um, mm. You have to find some way to make it fit better typically. Yeah. So um, you mix and master all your tracks, right? Um, I don't master all my tracks. I usually make an attempt at mastering. Um, but I, I do the mixing, um, usually with a lot of help from feedback and support from friends, you know, like it's hard to be objective about this stuff without feedback, you know, and I guess it's impossible to be objective about it, but like to get some sense of what is true, you want the perspective of as many other, well, as many other people that you can trust to give you like, Good, good feedback, you know, yeah. Peer level feedback, you know. Um, and then for mastering, like I'll usually try. Like I'm, I'd like to get to the point where I can master my own tracks, but um, and you know the concepts are relatively simple, and like I get some of the ideas, but like that fine tuned ear just is something that. I mean, people people aren't lying when they say like you kind of get what you pay for with that. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, so I'll, I'll almost always end up uh, outsourcing at least to another ear. Um, but usually somebody that I pay. So like uh, Mark Sherry, I've used quite a few times. He's very affordable, very quick, uh, very good to work with, and an extremely great producer. Uh, recently, I tried this guy Andy with um, A and P Studios. Yeah, and that's where Vo- that's who mastered Voyager's Cry, and he did an oh cool, incredible job. A little pricey, but uh, it's worth it. It's the best master. Yeah, it's the best master I've gotten back. You know, when I compared it to like the one I had been doing. I'm usually, not, I'm like, oh yeah, like it's significantly better. Like, okay, we're going to go with it. Cause I, that's what I'll try and do. I'll try my best and then compare it to a true, true master. Mm. Um, and 
realize that I missed the mark and hopefully learn from it. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> where it was. Yeah. And then, but then, uh, but this one was just like, wow. Like, I don't know. He just did some magic with like the stereo field and everything just fit like really right. Like it was, it's it wild. feels, it yeah. feels super open. And I, I really do love Thanks, that track, man. man. It's so vibey and like, it, it definitely takes you on a journey. And what I'm interested in is, Usually, and tell me if I'm wrong, trance mm-hmm. tracks are usually around like seven minutes, right? A lot of times that's changing quite a lot. I mean, I think music in general, I mean, it used to be every track on a vinyl was like seven minutes minimum because you needed a minute and a half to get it beat matched yeah. <laughs> with the other vinyl that you were playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, with especially with the advent of streaming, like everything is way shorter right now. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and radio mixes used to be like four or five minutes. Most of the labels expect the ones I've been turning in to be closer to ideally under three. I haven't gotten one under three yet, but that's what people seem to expect, right? Like the attention yeah. span for the track is, is very low. Like it's just one piece of like a Spotify playlist is kind of like the general way they're used these days, you know, mm-hmm. for DJs, I mean, for me, at least, I still want an extended track that can really, like, set the vibe of a dance floor for quite a while. Um, you know, if you're, like, moving through tracks all the time, that's not the vibe I like at a nightclub. But yeah. you go out to these festivals with D- DJs that are tossing out a new track every minute or two minutes. and It's crazy. Crowd, crowd <laughs> goes off, man. They like it. So, But it's yeah. not really, I don't know. I kind of like to, like, really get in the mood of the track and, like, just dance for a bit. But... It might be maybe I'm just too old school. <laughs> so, do you have like a separate track that's you know an extended version or? Mm-hmm. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no. There's it's the one that's. I think they're both on Spotify. There should be a radio edit and an extended mix. Um, if you're on Beatport, I think we only release the extended mix because it should like the DJs aren't going to buy the radio edit. Um, and I don't. I haven't looked at iTunes. I don't really use iTunes. So I'm not sure what what's out on there. Um, but it, I would think it's probably just the, well, it might be both because there's also Apple Music. Um, but yeah, and I think it's the radio edit that's getting most of the plays on my Spotify like hits right now. And that's just how people oh, generally wow. so, listen to music. Yeah. So you said radio hits? The, the, on the, no, it's the radio edit is the one that's oh, getting most edit. of the plays. Oh, yeah, it's gotcha, getting most gotcha. of the plays on the, yeah. I've got a few supports though. It's been good. So. It's only been a few days, so fingers crossed a few more come through. But hell yeah, man! Yeah, yeah, I'm good. definitely supporting you for sure, dude. Thanks, dude. I appreciate um, it. So we had Nick Hayes on here as well, and he's also oh, part of yeah. um, Elliptical Sun. Great guy, mm-hmm. um, and he's actually been on your show too, right? Yeah, yeah. Nick's awesome, man. He's I love his style and his vibe, and uh, he's a funny guy. It's fun to hang out with. Oh yeah, but, oh yeah, uh, yeah. But I don't know. He's a great, great producer, man. He's one of those guys that's like way too modest and doesn't give himself enough credit, man. A hundred percent. Yeah. He's really good. He's a prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't um, give him that much credit. That's right, what at least. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Don't want to blow up his head too much. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. So what was it like, um, you know, getting onto Elliptical Sun? Like what was the process for you? Um, that's actually a kind of funny story. Uh, I've been trying to get on Elliptical Sun for a long time. Like, I like the style of music they make. Um, there aren't many labels that have like, you know, aside from the huge ones like uh, Armada and mm-hmm. all they are like Armada sub labels and like the Anjuna Beats label. 
Um, there aren't many that have like a really broad exposure that are in kind of like the more like B tier labels. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ellipsical is probably the biggest one, in, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and they've got some really cool music, lots of great artists. Um, and they've just got like a pretty diverse portfolio of progressive trance too. Um, I especially like the direction they've been going with a lot of stuff recently. So I've been, I've been wanting to get to work with them for a long time, but I'd never really made anything that was really quite their style. And I honestly didn't think Voyager's Cry really fit the bill either. It's the closest. Really? Yeah. But it, it, I don't know. It just doesn't really have the same vibe as a lot of their music in my opinion. Um, but uh, Adrian Alexander, the chief A&R there, I think he's the head A&R there. I'm pretty sure he is. Um, he was doing a, um, a, kind of like feedback live stream mm-hmm. and I was like okay cool like I'll just tune in like if nothing else like I'll get to say hi to Adrian which would be pretty cool you know if yeah, you're good going connection a little bit over here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh, yeah. hopefully hopefully at least say hi you know if if my track doesn't get shit on too hard <laughs> <laughs> you're just like no. yeah exactly <laughs> like, all right here's my track bye <laughs> no but uh he gave it a listen he had some good feedback and he was like yeah man like this is a really cool vibe like hit me up afterwards and you know this, this is definitely something I'd be interested in you know mm. and i was like oh okay cool like that's awesome so i hit him up and we went through a couple like feedback rounds and ultimately they, they ended up wanting it which was pretty crazy usually i'll send them a demo in their like demo box yeah and it'll just come back like not for us and that's really it you know yeah yeah <laughs> so, I, I, so I, I feel out. like that's um and nick and i uh on the uh, other podcast episode we uh-huh. kind of talked about that it was like you know, work your way in in a different sort of way. Instead of just sending your tracks to random labels and hoping mm-hmm. one of them lands, you know, yeah. connect with people on a more personal level, kind of like you did on that mm-hmm. live stream. Like you, it's important. you, you know, yeah. you're interacting with their, you know, media that they're putting out. And uh, I feel like that's just so much better of a way to like get recognition yeah. and also to connect with people. Yeah, I mean, the demo process is really built for like finding, you don't want to miss that prodigy that's interested in signing to your label, you know? Yeah. So like, but unless your music is like absolutely incredible, which if you're starting out or been doing it for a long time, it's most likely not the case. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't say that's the case for any of my music that I'm demoing either. Like I, I've never sent a demo that their label was like, okay, signed, right? Yeah. Like it's always like, okay, like, let us help you out. And I'm really appreciative for that. You know, I wouldn't have any tracks out if it weren't for that because I'm always having to go back and revisit it. Um, but it's kind of like you said, because I've built a relationship with these people or like over the years have been supportive of their posts and their music, they at least like kind of know who I am. I'm not just like some rando who's asking for help, you know, yeah. um, which luckily the guys I work with are all like super friendly and would probably still help. But, you know, it's not the way to get the best help. You know, you want to be more of a friend than just someone who needs help. So um, it's the same with DJ gigs too, man. Like a lot of people don't get it. Like you can't just send like a promo mix and think that you're going to get booked to be play like, like the main, this the main is club it. in the city. First like, mix, oh, wow. here I go. This is, this is the best <laughs> DJ mix I've heard in my life. Like you're not going to, that's not going to happen for like an event promoter for the most part. Yeah. I don't know. But uh so let's let's jump to that a little bit. So mm-hmm. for DJing and stuff, how can people connect in ways to start getting shows? Yeah, it's tough, man. It's kind of the same thing like you're saying though. It's just all about being present. You know, you if you want to be a part of the scene, you got to be a part of the scene, right? You can't yeah. just show up and expect to get gigs and then people will know you that way people need to kind of know you already, you know, and uh, I'm not saying that you have to like, I don't know, 
I really hate seeing people just like networking for the sake of networking, mm -hmm. but there's plenty of it in the scene. And a lot of those people do a good job with it and they get gigs. But I think the best way to do it is just be genuine, right? If you love this music, you love the, the, the crowd, you shouldn't have a problem being out of these shows, like yeah. being a part of the environment, you know, like if you're here just for fame, then of course all you want to do is be on that stage, you know, yeah. like who doesn't want to be on that stage, but like, it's usually the people who are really like dedicated to making these things better, be getting involved with the promotions, um, helping share the events and support the events. You know, they're, they're the ones who typically get those opportunities because they're just, they're there, they're present, you know, they're the, the promoters know who they are. They know that they DJ, they probably already heard one of your mixes because they've been, they, it's hard to find people like that, that are, really genuinely passionate about it. Not just that like, oh yeah, like I went to my first festival and now I want to be a DJ, you know? Like people who've been dedicated for a long time and really know what comes with that. So um, I don't know. That's kind of my experience. Obviously there's a hundred different ways to do it, but that's kind of the way that I've, I've done it. Just being involved, trying to help people as much as I can. And uh, yeah, I've worked with some friends, to, like start some of our own shows and things like that. So mm. I don't know. It's just fun. I love I, it. I love the community. I love the people. So. Hell yeah. I, I think that's a great way um, to get started as well is just make your own events. Uh, like that's mm -hmm. what I did, man. Like it's yeah. a, the easiest way. Yeah. Kind of, it's it, it's a different way. It's not easier, but you know, um, it'll get you able. in touch with the people you wouldn't have gotten in touch with in a very long time otherwise. So exactly, yeah, yeah. What especially a, like, no, sorry, oh, okay, no, okay. No, I was just saying, uh, yeah, like getting in touch with venue owners, like you have to bring value, right? And the fact you say, hey, I want to DJ your show, is not adding value necessarily because there's a hundred other people that want to do that. But say, hey. I want to throw a show in your place and I can do a good job and you can demonstrate that, you know, be like, I can bring this many people and yeah, all that. And it doesn't so. have to be a blowout show because they're not all going to be, especially if they're starting out. But if you mm -hmm. can at least bring an earnest effort, you know, you get a side, you start out doing a side room, you start out playing a bar, you know, throwing shows in a bar. And like, that's how you start to get to know, get to know people. I mean, you know, but that's, yeah. Cool. It's not that hard. Yeah. No, no man. It's <laughs> I mean, not, throwing it the shows, the shows definitely is, but like getting to know the people and starting the conversation isn't that hard. Yeah, man. All it takes is time and just like you said, being a genuine person and just making those connections because you love what you do, not because of fame. And yeah, if you're trying to get rich, you're trying to get famous, you're going to get burnt out immediately 100%. because it doesn't happen right away. <laughs> it's, it's definitely true. I think people think, getting into music they're like bam it's going to be so quick and easy like this yeah. is going to be easy money but when you get into it you start realizing oh shit like i looking back at tracks like two years ago and i'm like god damn i was horrible like, like it takes <laughs> yeah. a while to really perfect your craft and you know working just a regular job and just putting as much time as you can into it it it, it takes a while for sure mm -hmm. um yeah, definitely man so tell me a little bit about your brand intentions. Like, um, where, where, first off, like, where did you get your logo? It's very interesting. <laughs> it it kind of has, it's not like steampunk, but it's almost like, uh, I, I, I can see it on like, uh, old, like journal, like a mystic <laughs> journal of that's some funny. sort. It's, where that's kind of why, it? yeah, that's why I like that, that font. It's, uh, so I found out the font I'm using is actually a bit of a design like faux pas. It's just one I, it's a free font I found. Um, 
but it turns out that like barbershops and like barbecue or not barbershop, like tattoo parlors and like barbecue restaurants really like using this font out in the like, suburbs <laughs> oh, really? or the sticks too. Yeah. I guess it just has this like cowboy, like Western kind of feel to it. Yeah. Um, so like you, if you, if you look around in like Marietta or anywhere like towards like the suburbs or like rural areas, you'll start recognizing it probably. <laughs> but, oh, cool. uh, yeah. But, uh, the reason why I picked it is it does have this kind of like weathered look and that ties into the name Reliquary, um, which I probably didn't do myself any favors picking a name that no one can pronounce and probably hasn't been used <laughs> hey, since same like here, bro. 500 same here. AC. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. What is a Reliquary? So a Reliquary is an antiquated term for a container for, for holy relics. Well, I shouldn't say antiquated. The term huh. is modern but because Reliquaries still exist, but no one really creates Reliquaries anymore. There were mm. these like... You should uh, do a Google search for them sometimes. They're these like very elaborate containers or boxes or trinkets or talismans that would actually contain the remains or bones of saints, right? So they're like, they would sometimes have like a little window where you could see like some of the bones and stuff. So it's like these like, um, yeah, these containers for holy relics essentially. And that's kind of where the idea came from. Yeah, so for me, with music being so, such a big part of who I am and just kind of, kind of like what I want to do with my life. Like I, I kind of think of myself from a DJ perspective as a container for these, these things that are very dear to me, very important mm. to me, you know? Um, and they're kind of abstract, kind of like the idea of relics, right? Like it's just, it's, it's, it's the idea. concrete, but yeah. yeah, it's just like this. Yeah. There's just a container for, for these things that are very, very dear to me essentially. So that's where it came from. And that's kind of the idea I want to, I want to carry, carry with it. I mean, one of my original ideas was to do kind of like a faceless DJ kind of thing with it. Um, but I, I just didn't really have, I guess the artistic vision to like kind of pull it off or like really make it happen getting started. I was more interested mm-hmm. in like just starting to learn how to DJ and getting gigs, but may, maybe I can move to something more like that. But like, I don't really want to be like a face to the music as much as just kind of this more kind of material thing. Mm. that kind of puts this out there for for other people you know yeah um but i don't know so 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 what would that like faceless would it be like a mask or like no i mean the mask thing is like super done i had kind of imagined a more like wizard of oz type thing you know like Mm. maybe somebody like behind like a veil or something or um you know and I don't know. I've got I've got a lot of like very abstract ideas. I don't really know how I would bring to fruition now, but it was kind of like the idea behind the brand at, at first. I mean, obviously now, you know, I've kind of it's not like I can like retreat into anonymity at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I do want to try and find a way to really tie that back more into what I'm what I'm doing. You know, obviously the the idea and the brand is still there, but I'd like to really make it more of a kind of visible icon of what mm. I'm doing. But, but yeah, that's where the the logo came from. It's just this kind of this this kind of like new old feeling. I feel like you know, and I do play a lot of like older tracks that are really sentimental to me, or like I mash them up and try and help do that to like try and tie that into the brand more. Kind of bringing the old and like nostalgic in with the new and. Um, I definitely kind of, get that. Yeah. Yeah. So I can bring a lot of the like, and I feel like in my music, I use a lot of kind of like old school sounds when I can too. So, mm. um, 
don't know. That's uh, that's kind of the general idea behind it. I guess I need a more like straightforward vision to really pull no, it together. No, no, that's great, man. I, that's actually what I got from your logo. Like when I look at your logo, I see steampunk. Cool. Like hell yeah. yeah. So that's kind of like the old like Victorian type times mm-hmm. mixed with like futuristic um mechanics and all that. Um I'm sure you know what steampunk is. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, steampunk stuff is cool. But I yeah, so I, I definitely see that. And um with going forward with reliquary, what do you see like visually at your shows? You mean like for like visual backdrops or yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's something that I need to put more time and attention to. It's hard, man. I'm sure you know too, being an artist, like you're better about it than I am, like keeping a I feel like a more uniform aesthetic and kind of like brand identity with the release covers you have and like your cover art. But um I, I really just focus on the music mostly and I spend a lot of time doing like promo and putting together assets. Cause I also work as an A&R for individual identity the label. So I stay busy with oh, those cool. guys too. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's tough, man. I, I don't really see myself so much as like a visual artist. Unfortunately, I, I it's the kind of thing I'd need a lot of help from somebody yeah i mean i mean i'm I'm the same way man it's sometimes it's better to you know utilize your talents and then um delegate those uh other other jobs to people who are um pros at it so yeah i mean i've got like stuff that i would like to see but like who do i talk to like how do i make it happen like what is the more concrete idea rather than this abstract kind of like we just talked about this kind of like this kind of like how to make it a reality yeah Yeah. how do you make it real because i guess that kind of reminds me i really one of the main things i really thought about was reliquary more of as a place which kind of goes back to the anonymity thing like it's just kind of like a place you come for this kind of like feeling or idea um so i kind of had in mind like some sort of like building or location that's like constantly changing based on the mood or atmosphere um you know, somewhat like, I don't know if you've seen any of like Seven Lions art with these like big kind of like monolithic, like it's it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Like a little bit more like coherent, like this kind of like thing, which Mm. is the reliquary and like, but it's a very dynamic thing, you know, it's kind of what I had in mind. Is it kind of like a, like an energy almost? Yeah. I mean, I'd imagine like a building kind of back to my like more, concrete yeah engineering technical side but this like super complex almost like gundam like kind of like building you know that's just oh, like yeah. shape-shifting and transforming and like has all these different kind of like pathways and secrets it's like an infinite building essentially is kind of the idea but like how do you make that <laughs> you know like how do you visualize that yeah what does it look a like? very good so. 3d uh, designer <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> very very expensive 3d designer exactly um, so we kind of talked about inspiration a little bit, but, um, what do you do when you get like creative blocks? And then, um, also like, how do you find inspiration or, or, or what do you do to get inspiration? Yeah. I mean, I think inspiration is one of those things. I don't know. It might be a little bit just kind of like uh oversaid, but like, it's kind of those things that if you don't do it, you don't find it, you know? Um, Mm. And I'm guilty of this just as much as anybody, I'm sure. But like, like, ah, I'm not feeling inspired or I just don't want to work on music. 
But uh, the only way I get inspired is to work on music, right? Like sometimes mm. I'll hear like an idea and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, but I'll just kind of take a mental note. It's not like I'm like, oh, I'm going to go like try and put that idea in my track, you know? Yeah. But then when I'm working on my track, try and think like, okay, what were these things I took a mental note of? Like, oh, there was the cool groove on this track. You know, let me go find it, bring it in as a reference and see if I can like do something that follows that groove. Mm. The same sound, obviously. Not that I could make the same sound if I tried, but, um, you know, excuse me, no something like that. But like, I think ultimately, yeah, like I'll, I'll get ideas like that sometimes, but typically it's just like, I mean, I have these tools, I have these kind of, uh, you know, all these toys, like my machine a, my complete control, the, I've got now like a virus synthesizer, like if you don't try and create, you won't be inspired, right? Like you're not mm-hmm. just gonna be like, oh, like I feel like making music because you're gonna sit down there and be like, well, what do I want to make? I don't so, know. So, so it's almost like working a muscle or like, you know, going on a path or, you know, so like if you, if you go on a hike yeah. and there's no path and you just start walking, it's gonna be hard the first couple of times. But as yeah, you yeah. keep going on that same path, it's gonna get easier and easier. Yeah, sure. Or eventually you'll find a path that you didn't know was there behind the brush, you know? And that's, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's kind of my approach. It's like, all right, like, let's iterate, you know? And sometimes you'll have an idea and like, okay, cool. You run with it and then you hit another dead end. And that's a lot of times probably, like, all right, I gotta step away and then come back at this fresh. And then you're like, because sometimes you can't see what your track is missing um, or like what you might want to add. You know, if you're just throwing stuff on there, like... Yeah, just for the hell of it. Yeah, just for the hell of it. Like, all right, I got I to gotta take a step away and see. And sometimes I'll just start something new just to like remember what it's like to just like create and jam, right? Like I'll just open a project, throw some stuff together, just try and do some like wild ass stuff. Kind of like you said, just like exercise. Usually I'm not taking any of that in there, but yeah, just to just to create, right? Like, I think that's where inspiration comes from. Um, so it's kind of where it is. If I get like really stuck, I know a lot of people get stuck at like the very end of a project. Um, using a reference track is really helpful. So trying to find a few tracks with like, that are in that style or in that genre. And if you're like multi-genre, then you need a lot of different tracks. But um, yeah, just finding like, okay, like how did this producer make this drop work? You know, but Mm. That's to me like the hardest part is finishing the track out. That last like five to ten percent takes specifically weeks. with like composing or mixing. Just the both, like the arrangement, mixing. Like I don't know. To me, mixing. I kind of mix as I go. Yeah. I do also do like a last like mixing step. Like okay, like now I'm folk. Like I'm done making the track unless someone asks me to add something or change something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just focusing on making it as clean and nice sounding as I can. So that's like a whole nother like few weeks, like even just getting everything done. Like, do I have all my risers? Do I have all my fills? Do I like all my fills? Do I like all my risers? Like, do they fit right? Does, uh, is there like nice atmosphere in the breakdown? Like, is the groove at this second drop really like what I'm going for? Like figuring all that stuff out. Like, can I add more detail to the drop? So it's not just, one lead sound or you know a stack of lead sounds playing like i need some like how can i add more interaction to it like the melody's done i'm not going to rewrite the melody but like what can i add to like play with the melody to make it more interesting than just like okay (laughs) like just playing through the end of the track you know like if you don't do those like little details then it's just another 
it's just another trans track that's not that interesting. So how like do you choose those, like, those final details? How do you choose those details? What's it's tough. It's daunting. There isn't really a process. It's just like okay, like this lead is just a lead. It's just rolling. Like it's good. The melody's interesting. But like it gets boring after the first four or eight bars because it's mostly more of the same. So you can like change the melody little bits so that like you tell different ideas as it moves. Mm -hmm. But you want to try and find ways to embellish it so it's not just like these. So a lot of times I'll like, okay, this is a big lead. It's going to be hard to add anything on top of it. So I'll just have something like maybe like a big stab that accentuates certain notes, right? Mm. So it's like da 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 and then like the big da-da kind of like maybe like washes out or something or I don't yeah. know. Um, but when that da-da hits, you pull back the lead some, you know? So like you want these elements to really play kinda with like each other. come in and come out. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's that's the hard part of mixing, especially when you get to the end, you have all these like big elements, but like you got to be honest with yourself, right? Like does anyone really want to just listen to your lead sound? Is it that interesting, your lead? Yeah. Probably not, right? Like, <laughs> if you've got just four sounds playing, like, I don't know, maybe it is, but like, you, it's a you gotta find track. ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. But even minimal, right? Like, the way they make it work is like all these really subtle automations that are exactly. like making yeah. the sound change and expand and like contract and like move to the left a little bit, move to the right a little bit. Okay, like now it got quiet. Like, so yeah, I mean, it's a more detail oriented style. But trance is not very, I mean, I'm not going to say not detail-oriented, but it's not a subtle style, typically. Yeah. It's a very, like, in-your-face style. So if you want to make an impression, you need to add kind of, like, in-your-face ideas. Like, uh, one thing I'll do is, like, move to, like, a rolling bass line in the drop sometimes. Like, so the whole rest of the time, it was, like, this kind of, like, stabby or, like, kind of groovy bass line. And then, like, as you build, you've got, like, a rolling bass line coming in, you know, and then it swaps back later on or something like that. So yeah. I don't know. And it could I'm be sure. anything, and that's the creative part, right? You can make whatever you want, but you got to make just it work. Choosing, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. It's just knowing when those elements will work for mm -hmm. that specific time. Yep. Hell yeah, man. Um, all right, so this is a fun question we like to ask, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, tell us one thing that uh, your fans don't know about you. It could be anything don't know about me i don't know man i feel like i'm a pretty open book everyone knows i'm a big nerd giant dork uh <laughs> most of my interesting things that people don't know about me are music related so i don't know if that really helps in the, <laughs> in the sense of no music contest yeah it context could, um it'd be anything could be outside of music let's see so I do also really like to rock climb. Me and my wife, we go rock climbing quite a bit. Oh, cool. Uh, that's pretty cool, I think. She's really outdoorsy, so um, I'll go out with her a lot of times. Do you like to uh, boulder or do you like doing uh, rock climbing with like ropes and stuff? Yeah, so I prefer doing it with ropes. Um, yeah. I'll go bouldering sometimes, but yeah, I think it's really satisfying to like climb up a big mountain and I like, look over the edge and like see kind of like the views and stuff. That's half the fun. I feel like we're smoldering. You work really hard for like 10 feet and then, and then you, you just, just jump down. Jump down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, all That's right, cool. I did it. <laughs> yeah. So it's fun. I think it kind of goes back to problem solving and just kind of like dedication. So she, she climbs about as much as I work on music, if not more. So yeah. She's super, she's super into it. She loves it. So. Where do you all climb? 
she's got a gym locally she goes to. It's called Stone Summit. Uh, huge gym, really nice climbing gym. Sometimes we'll go to like the Chattanooga area, like oh, cool. in, like Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, a yeah. few really nice, uh, nice kind of cliff faces and areas around there. And then uh, on occasion, we'll go on like a destination trip and go camping somewhere like in Kentucky or um, yeah. Places like that. So, oh yeah, it's man, it's yeah, so man. nice. It's so nice to get outdoors and just experience, you know, yeah, the nature and everything. And that that can help with inspiration too. Is just like yeah, that's getting true. out of your room and just like experiencing <laughs> something other than that same space you've been in for hours something, and hours. Something I haven't done in like four months, man. <laughs> in this room, I work here and then I turn off my work computer and I turn on my production computer and either like social media or play some video games or work on music yeah so it's been good that's one of the nice things she kind of won in the pandemic because nightclubs and music stuff is not happening for a long time but she's already able to go out to a lot of these parks and go climbing and the climbing gym is open so oh yeah lucky her (laughs) lucky her (laughs) no it's been good going with her though that's awesome man um so what do you do to like balance the two major things in music? You got the business side and the creative side. How do you, how do you balance that? I mean, it's a labor of love, man. For me, I don't even really pay attention to the business side, you know, don't get completely ripped off or taken advantage of too many people. When they start out like DJing, they just, they play for nothing or they play for not enough or, Mm. um, you know, and I guess if you're like first starting and you're just trying to get like a get your get to know the promoters and it's okay, but like don't let them take advantage of you forever. Um, but yeah, when it comes to like making and selling music, I don't know, man. Like I've only had a handful of releases, but making money is not really part of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's all it's good, just, man. It's just how it is. Um, I mean, yeah, for me, it's all it's all labor of love, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've gotten to that point as well, man. Like, um, I, in a way, like when I started out, obviously I want to do like the whole like touring thing and like all that. But then after a while, I'm like, I just fucking love making music just to make music. Um, so I guess it's good just to know like what your goals are. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, like I kind of same thing. I had the idea is like, all right, you know, I'm playing some decent sized clubs and events. Like maybe I should, could start being more of a regional DJ, but it goes back to what you're saying. Like, do I really want that lifestyle of being a touring DJ? Not really. Cause I want to make music, right? Like I don't want to yeah. be in a different city for like a whole week because I have a gig on Saturday. Like, yeah, I just, I want to make tracks and I don't want to do it in a hotel room when I don't get to see my like friends and my, my wife or my, or go to like hang out with local people. So I don't know. Like, I mean, maybe someday like the business will be more important to me, but right now it's more about building my brand and building my own style. Um, you know, sure. Like I can make some money at gigs, but like, it's not really, it's not really the focus at all. I just want to make better music. I want to kind of get, put myself in a position to share it with more people so that more friends can hear it. Um, you know, but even still not, I, I don't know. It's really important to me that I build all that stuff or, organically, you know, so I don't want to take any shortcuts. Mm. You know, I, 
you know, I want to show people my music, but I don't want to really like force it on anyone either. So I don't know. You don't Maybe I'm not taking DM the, everyone uh, be like, yo, check yeah, out my track, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to avoid stuff like that. Cause I don't know. It bothers me when I get messages from people like that. I mean, I know it shouldn't, they're just trying to make the best of it. And I, I'm always glad to support friends, but like, I don't know. I just feel like that's not the way I want to get support and recognition. Maybe it's the yeah. only way you get support and recognition. I don't know. But uh, it's not really for me, you know. I'd rather I'd rather make music for a small group of people than kind of like uh, force it on a whole bunch of people that really aren't that interested or doing giving me like a pity buy or something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, man. No, I I think that's really cool because not a lot of people in this industry like know where they want to go with things, and like there's nothing wrong with like just wanting to make music for fun, and you know put it out there and have your friends enjoy it. Like as long as like one person can actually enjoy your track and um, yeah. feel what you feel. That's, that's awesome. But also, you know, if you want to be a person that wants to make it fucking go for it too, you know, yeah. so just know your priorities and yeah. Yeah. I just know that like, I've seen people that have tried really hard to make it and done pretty well, but like, I just know the level of energy, time, mm. money, it takes to even just try and make it is well beyond what I'm willing to put in. I mean, I'm married. I've got a full-time job. Like I love making music. I love being like, and I, I love the satisfaction of reaching these milestones, but to me, it's not important that it happens tomorrow or next month or next year. Mm. You know, like the, just the next knowing mile, that you'll make them. Yeah. Just knowing that I can do it is really satisfying. Right. So like with Voyager's cry, like getting signed to elliptical sun recording, something I've been trying to do, for three years, but I haven't been trying to like kill myself over doing it. You know, like I'm not working like eight hours a night, like trying to hit up my friends for feedback every other day. Like, I mean, I could have done those things and probably accomplished it much, much sooner, but the cost would have been too high for, for me. You know, Mm. like I I don't want to sacrifice my relationships. I don't want to sacrifice my happiness. Um, So I don't know. Maybe I'm taking the lazy man's approach to making nah, music. Man, I love it. No, <laughs> no. I, I love it, man. Because because yeah. it, it really can be hard to constantly push and push and push, and um, just to know within yourself, like, hey, this is what I want to do, and go through with it. That's that's great. Thanks, um, man. Hell yeah! Uh, this is another fun question for you. Um, who is an artist that you would love to work with, dead or alive? So, um, I mean, my favorite trans artist is a DJ called Echo, a producer. I should oh, say. yeah. Dude, uh, Echo's great. Also a DJ, yeah. So Echo is like definitely my biggest inspiration. Um, he's, I don't know, his style is just emotional and energetic and like atmospheric. It just has like all the like, to me, perfect elements of what I fell in love with trans about. Mm. Um, so I would say it'd have to be him just like get into his brain, like work with him on like how he made some of his tracks. Um, he's still making some music. I don't think he's making very much like really like trance style music, maybe more like progressive house, progressive trance style. Mm. Um, supposedly he's working on another album and, uh, we're friends on Facebook. Like we brought him here. One of the promotion teams I've worked with, we brought him here for a show like several years ago. Um, so I actually got to meet him and open for him. So that was like a pretty big moment, but like haven't quite gotten myself to a point where I can like work with him by any means. Yeah. He's, he's really, really good. 
but one day we'll see. Maybe it kind of goes. It's kind of interesting though. Like I have gotten to work with some of the artists that I really look up to. Who have you worked um, with? Uh, so I don't know if you know Pablo Artigas, but he's oh. another. He's an, he's the guy who runs the label that I'm working with, Individual Identity. So like. I don't know. It's kind of one of those, like, I can't believe this moments, right? Like, so I'm working with him on his label. Um, I'm the, I'm one of the A&Rs on there. Like we're all talking and like, just kind of like joking and friends all the time now. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, um, you know, I remix one of his packs now, uh, Arcadia did a remix for him on Arcadia and, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of like, uh, don't tell him I'm fanboying over him, but um, I won't. I don't know. It's just kind of one of those like, <laughs> like man, I can't believe like I'm making, like me and Pablo Artigas are like friends. He's not just a producer whose music I love, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of crazy. But yeah, he's another like I feel like I have a very specific style of progressive trance that I like, mm. and not many people make it really. And he's one of them. Echo was one of them. There's another guy like Breakfast Naden. Like it's kind of this like narrow range. Um, it's just kind of like dreamy, ethereal, and emotional sounds that I don't know. It's hard for me to describe. You'd have to look up these guys. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> you know, like we just have to listen to your music, about. and yeah. we definitely get there. You that, go. Sure. Yeah, you get a feel from my music. Hopefully, so I don't know that I'm doing any of them justice yet, but maybe one no, day. No, you definitely. <laughs> your music's great. Thanks, definitely. Uh, hope I can get to uh, the quality of work that you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you're making great music already, dude. <laughs> thanks, man. Just try. I'm just trying in these streets. Um, yeah. So what is, you, you've already given so much great advice. Actually, before we go on this question, you're talking about being an A&R. And um, mm-hmm. what is something, like, what do you do as an A&R? And um, yeah, yeah, just start out with that. What do you do as like an A&R? Yeah, so uh, I didn't know this when I first started. Well, when I first started working on music, not when I first started being an A and R. Yeah, but uh, A and R stands for artist and repertoire. For anybody who doesn't know, so it's one of the essentially like tastemakers for a label. Um, so my job is to really kind of like push my peers and friends to submit demos to us, and then also review um, any demos that we have. So for us at Individual Identity, like a big part of us is to cultivate new talent. It's a big part mm. of our kind of mission statement. Um, so like. Anytime we get a demo that we're even like remotely interested in, we're going to do our best to give like really detailed feedback to that person and like really try to help grow them as an artist, mm. you know, and I can't think of anyone really just told us straight up no to so far that that was in the right style, right? Yeah. Like if you're sending us a trap remix, you know, why are you, why are you wasting our time? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but, uh, but if you like kind of know what we're doing and you're, you get it, then, you know, we want to at least help, you know, we might not sound, we're not going to sign the track necessarily, but I think uh, that's one thing I really love about working with this team. Um, but yeah, in general, the the job of the A&R is to um, secure promos, secure demos from other artists out there and hopefully help us sign, you know, the next talent for the label. So cool, yeah. man. It's cool. It's fun, so, man. so do you like, A&Rs don't really like go search for talent. The talent kind of comes to uh, the A&Rs and then you kind of sift through uh, those. A, a good A&R does. Yeah. I mean, I'm always pushing the people that I know could do a good job to come to the label, you know, um, not necessarily like, I'm not like going through my friends. list. like, I'm going to send you a message, like send us a yeah. demo. But like, if it comes up in conversation, I'll be like, Hey man, like coming up, speaking of, if you're working on any progressive trans tracks, <laughs> send them over buddy. So, Hell yeah, dude. I, I got to jump back into it, man. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've done progressive, um, 
any anything progressive actually. Yeah, first some of your but, stuff really it's really cool. Not quite what we're like signing, but I'm just saying oh, yeah. I can tell your production level is there. So thanks so much, dude. Yeah. It. Yeah. it's actually funny because I actually um I took progressive elements and kind of <laughs> transferred it into um different genres. So like I, there there's one song that I I did. It was a trap song, but it mm-hmm. it was a longer song and it was more progressive sounding i guess mm-hmm. just the way it was built i guess yeah but, no you've always got some like nice big saw leads in there like really cool vocal elements most of the time like it's cool stuff man i like it thanks so much dude yeah. um yeah we'll jump to that last question and uh pr- pretty much you've given great advice throughout this whole interview um but oh, what nice. is the one biggest piece of advice you would give to someone who's just starting out in the music industry just starting out in the music industry. Um, that's tough. Uh, I'd say probably kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, like, you know, I would say, I don't want to say like, don't set your sights too high, but like maybe curb your expectations, you know? Hmm. Cause kind of like you said, like I really thought, like in a couple of years, I could start making like pretty good music, you know, maybe I did make pretty good music compared to what I was making, but you know, I thought I would have like label ready music by a couple of years and I definitely didn't. Mm-hmm. And I worked pretty hard at it. It's not like I wasn't trying. Um, uh, definitely seek out, like, I think the biggest thing is seeking out mentors and feedback, you know, find some people that can help you when you're first starting out, put your own time into doing like your tutorials and stuff like that. But like, once you like know your way around a DAW and like know how to write a melody and know like the basics of like music theory and stuff like that, which is a lot, it's a lot to ask, yeah. but you got to be willing to do at least that much. Then once you're ready to start learning about like, okay, what is my arrangement missing? Like, what is my uh, like uh, mix down missing? Like I think having a really good peer network um, and even hiring a mentor, like a yeah. big one, one of the things that's really helped me make a leap in the last couple of years is having a good mentor, someone who's done it, who's been there, who can tell you like why your kick doesn't work or why your mid bass doesn't work or how they would make this mid bass line instead. Um, it's not going to be free, but yeah. it's going to give you that insight you need to take your tracks to that like next level, you know? So um, I think that's a big part of it. You know, it kind of goes back, like it's, it's all community. It's all like, knowing people, no one does this completely on their own, you know? It yeah. doesn't matter how good you are or aren't. Like, you're not gonna... Like, I wouldn't have even taken that first step if it weren't for my friends saying, hey, you should make music. Because I'm like, I don't know anything about music. But eight years later, I know a little bit about music. <laughs> Hell yeah. Just a little. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's not really one piece. But I think, yeah, like, finding mentors um and feedback and peers you can trust that are already doing it you know i mean most people getting started have at least somebody that they know or friends with that's already doing it most likely Mm. so so where can you find a mentor maybe someone that's not a peer like where's a good place to look that's a good question i just kind of stumbled on the one that i used um his name is johnny yono great guy Mm -hmm. if you're looking into like trance or progressive trance um, he's helped me tremendously and the really good rate. Um, so I think if you're part of that scene, that's how a lot of these guys make money, right? We were just talking about how like, I'm not in this for the money necessarily because the two ways you make money are teaching and mm. like 
producing for people, either ghost producing or like mixing their tracks or mastering. So like you have like the production side where you're like either teaching or offering services, um, which there's okay money in. You're probably not necessarily going to get rich off of that. Um, and then the other side is like DJ touring, right? So mm. most of these guys, if they're not touring DJs, are trying to be a mentor <laughs> or yeah. help you learn. So you got to find the ones that are going to meet your kind of like price point um, and kind of like you can, that you can vibe with. So like, so for me, Johnny Yono worked really well. Um, great guy, like super helpful. Where did you um, meet him? Uh, somebody recommended me to him. I can't even remember now. Um, yeah, it was my friend, Obi. Uh, another friend of mine who's been like this guy, he's been killing it lately. He's, uh, He's gotten really good in the past couple of years. From What's his name? With, Novi? Uh, Obi. Obi Fernandez. Oh, Obi. oh yeah, yeah. Obi. I know Obi. Yeah. 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 He's, uh, he's gotten, he's made him, he's made a pretty big name for himself in the past couple of years working really hard. He's one of those guys that just like, once he wants to do something. Nose to the grindstone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He works. He's taking the opposite approach of me. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, but, um, but yeah, so he he recommended Johnny to me, uh, so I gave him a shot, and it's it's worked out really well. And I've tried a couple other artists, um, you know, a lot of you know. Now that I kind of like have like a baseline of kind of getting to the level that I've been trying to, um, I can rely on my friends a little bit more, um, like the other guys, in individual identity or other producers that I know. Um, but uh, getting a mentor really really helped a lot for sure. Cool. Have you uh, yep. have you ever done any mentoring yourself? Yeah, a little bit. I love helping people starting out, man. Like uh, if you're just trying to like learn your way around it. I mean, I can teach more than that. Or like if someone's stuck on something, I'll like jump into a session with them. Um, I don't know. Just for my own satisfaction so far, you know, if I just love to kind of like share the love of music. So anytime someone was like, Hey, can you show me like Ableton? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like let's jump into it. You know? Yeah. So and it, it, it's kind of fun like, too. Cause you, yeah. you kind of, so, uh, you kind of figure out like, Oh, I actually know more than I thought I did or, <laughs> yeah, or, exactly. or, Hey, I'm actually teaching myself things that I, I didn't know. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's really cool experience. Or things that, you know, questions I never even thought to ask, like, what does this thing do? Like, yeah. I don't know. I just ignore it. So <laughs> like, like maybe I should find out what this thing does you know? <laughs> um, or why, why do I do this? Like uh, I, someone just taught me to do it. I guess I should learn like what the why is behind it so I can teach you about it. Oh yeah. But um, <laughs> no, it's just fun. Like, and I love seeing that kind of like, excitement of someone learning something new or like mm. like when that thing clicks like oh yeah like this is cool you know or like when you make something like cool together kind of like when you collaborate with a friend right like yeah worked on that track that one time just like that just those just like aha moments are just fun even if yeah. nothing comes out of it man it's just like it's just nice you know? and that's uh, that's one thing too when we worked on that track together that brought a whole new experience to me because I, I was very um I was very particular and I still do this with my music, but I'm very particular on having everything synced and like everything perfect and all that. And mm -hmm. you taught me to kind of be a little bit more relaxed and be like, Hey, when you're playing a melody, it doesn't have to be like in sync. Like you, you want it to kind of yeah, be yeah. like this flow and, and like this morphing type of energy in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Everything the more human you can make it feel it without it sounding like it's 
poorly made or poorly performed, right? Like that's kind of one of the challenges of being a dance music producers. You want this music to sound real, but mm-hmm. you're making it with a bunch of zeros and ones on your computer, you know, yeah. like it's, it's kind of like a paradox almost. So, and that's half of what I've been learning with like mixing, right? I, I make my tracks, they sound very like dull and stale. Have to go back and add all of these like analog emulating sounds like saturation and distortion to make them yeah. feel more natural and real. I have to add reverb because we're not playing it in a room. Yeah, it's just a sound with nothing. Like it's completely unnatural. It's like playing in outer space or something. I don't know. Like yeah. So you have to like spend a lot of work actually making it feel realistic mm. even though it's not real right like there is no actual space that you recorded the synthesizer and it could be but that's i'm not doing that maybe yeah maybe, maybe sorry i'm not going to take my synthesizer to like a studio and like play it out of some speakers and or just like go to like bring, a big park a or something yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah or a big park or yeah i mean like, that would be one approach to like to add be, something new yeah with the outdoor reverb <laughs> but, well, awesome yeah. man. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure. Before we uh, jump into your song, Voyager's Cry, um, drop uh, your Instagram, Facebook handle so people can give you a follow and see what uh, you're doing. Yeah, yeah, sure, man. So uh, I'm Instagram and Twitter, Reliquary underscore music. Facebook, Reliquary music, no space, I believe. Let me check that real quick, actually, before I commit to that. <laughs> <laughs> So then it is Facebook is Reliquary No Space Music. Yes. So just Reliquary Music. Um, SoundCloud, Reliquary Dash Music. Um, Spotify, you can find me as well. Just Reliquary. Look me up. Um, so yeah, really glad I could come, man. Thanks for awesome, having me. Awesome, man. It's yeah, thank time. you. Thank you so much, dude. And we're going to drop your song, Voyager's Cry, right now. Thanks oh, again, yeah. dude. And uh, yeah, have a wonderful night. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, enjoy. Thanks again, dude. Yeah, man. Peace.